You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. During the next hour, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Welcome to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ, 7.50 a.m. Father Greg Sackowitz, Rector of Holy Name Cathedral, and co-host, again, Mark Teresi, Assistant to the Rector, me, for Plan Development at Holy Name Cathedral. Mark, you asked a question, we asked a question, like, how are you? Yeah, and that's an—I'm in a a position of gratitude, thanks for everything that I have— my family and everything, but um, it's just like you're in the twilight zone. I think as one person put it to me, we'd always say to someone, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. I think okay is the new fine. But you say fine, but it really means okay. I'm, I'm like you, much to be grateful for. Thank God for the gift of life. It could be worse, but these are hard days. Well, especially for little ones. Like we went to visit um, our granddaughters we brought dinner for our son and his wife and the kids and you drop it on the door you talk from far away the little uh, little maddie they want to hug you yeah they they want to and they they don't quite understand why other than mommy and daddy said right for now this can't you can't do this so it's uh, it's hard for everybody it is it really is and it uh, and you also with the weather on the weekend i know a lot of people were out but they're trying to be distancing but many more people even stayed home, and yet you're just hoping and praying that begins to open up. But I support the governor, the, the cardinal, the mayor. Um, it's, it's, it's a crazy, mean virus in which someone could be a carrier, feel terrific, give it to you or give it to me, and put us on ventilators. And we don't, it doesn't even know it. No, and it's a good test. Uh, for us to see, do we really respect each other enough yes. to follow the protocols to keep everybody safe? Yeah, but I always keep telling people, my mantra is, choose peace over panic, faith over fear, wisdom over worry. And I always say that uh, the churches are not closed. Buildings are. You are the church. We are the body of Christ. And we have a tremendous program lined up. He's actually backed by popular demand. Uh, Dr. Edward Gordon returns at a very timely, as a timely guest on this edition of Catholic Chicago to continue the discussion about the history of Chicago church during the pandemic times. Dr. Gordon is internationally recognized historian, researcher, and author who was taught at DePaul, Loyola, and Northwestern University. He was a distinguished lecturer for the Organization of American Historians. Last fall, in celebration of the 75th anniversary of the D-Day landings, Ed was the historian for a 10-day tour of the Normandy beaches and other historic sites sponsored by the Palm Springs Air Museum. Dr. Edward Gordon, Edward, how are you this morning? Welcome back to the program, Edward. Well, Elaine and I are fine. I was just going to ask, how is Elaine doing? Oh, we're fine. However, one of our friends, uh, uh, his aunt just died of the COVID virus. Wow. Did she? From Chicago? She was 62, yes. From Chicago? Yes, that's right. 62 years old? Yes. Now, you know, as a historian, and I want to speak to all of our listeners this morning, what historians try to really do is look at the facts, at reliable data from reliable sources, and from that report to everyone else as to what has happened in the past, and now we're trying to get a handle on what's happening right now. And certainly there's a plethora of data Mm -hmm. and information. So what now, I'll, first of all, you and Elaine are doing well. We're fine, yes. And I'll certainly fine. keep uh, the, is it, you said it was uh, uh, Elaine's friend's aunt? Uh, no, this is someone that we know. Oh, someone you know, okay, I'll certainly this keep This is both of us know, uh, as a family. friend of ours, that's right. No, yeah. not in our family, no. Yeah, so maybe, okay, I'll let you, we'll let you take, kind of take over for a moment and uh, 
put into perspective what's going on right now, Edward? Well, let's take a look at this as a baseball game. I think both you guys can relate to that. Oh, yeah. Uh, as a Cub fan. That's as right. As a White Sox fan. Whatever <laughs> fan you want. Whatever, whatever <laughs> team you support out there, guys. Right now, we're in the second inning. Mm-hmm. Mm. We have a long way to go. Whoa. We have to think about the Spanish flu, and today I want to go back in time to earlier pandemics just to give people some more perspective. But uh, the Spanish flu uh, started in 1918. It continued in 1919. There was even some deaths in 1920 until it reached all around the world. And right now we're in the second inning, and uh, we have a long way to go. And in the end, it's going to be up to each one of us, whether we live in the city, the suburbs, anywhere in the world, to be mindful of the fact that this is a very, very serious plague that kills people. And it's going to have a long reach. Now, it doesn't mean that everyone's going to die. We have certainly the ability, and we're developing uh, drugs now to dampen down the effects of this virus. And ultimately, we hope we will have a vaccine that will be available to everyone around the world. But until all of that occurs, we have to have faith in God, hope for the future, and practice self-discipline. And that's for everybody. Now, Ed, let me... You, so your example, second inning. So your basically your message to folks is just because you're winning three to two in the second inning doesn't mean you've won the ball game. That's right, exactly. But let's let's look at the the uh, statistics right now. Fifty eight thousand over fifty eight thousand active cases now in Illinois, and only a small fraction of the population has really been tested. Mm-hmm. So that number is very low. We have, across the state, 2,618 deaths. And I can tell you there are probably other people who have died of this that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. All right? Now, the biggest concentration is in the Chicago metropolitan area. Just in Cook County, as of yesterday, there were about 37,000 cases mm. and deaths of 1,673 people. All That's right? Cook County. Yes. That's mm-hmm. the city and the county. Mm-hmm. All right. And our zip code, our neighborhood, is the highest in the city in terms of deaths. That's right. Rogers we're, Park we're, area. Yeah, we're in the Rogers Park area. Okay. Uh, now, again, people, the last thing you want people to do is panic. But what we really need to keep in mind is that this is going to be, the recovery is going to be slow, and it's going to be... a long adjustment, and there is going to be pain in this for people and businesses. How much pain is going to be up to each of us? Now, Edward, I have a question uh, similar to well, Mark, and that is, when you say the second inning, I can certainly relate to baseball, why would you say it's the second inning and, let's say, not the fifth inning? Well, the reason I say this is when you look at how the Spanish flu broke out across America, It died down during the summer and came roaring back in the fall with a much deadlier strain, and there was a third wave the following year. And it didn't actually reach all the world until much later in the pandemic. Now, you see today there are countries where the uh, and states, just here in the U.S., where the numbers are very low right now. And part of the reason for that is the virus hasn't worked its way out there yet. It will. This is a hidden enemy. So there's these places that have not been hit yet. It is coming. It's coming. Now, for uh, our... Mark, take us to break real oh, quick. Okay. This, is, this is fascinating. Yeah. At WNDZ 750 AM, our telephone number 312-255-8408. Give Edward a call Catholic, to question or comment. Catholic Chicago, Dr. Edward Gordon. Ed, when we come back, I, I want our listeners to hear from you. What are you and Elaine doing in terms of your behaviors and how, how have they changed and how are they impacting uh, your life right now? We'll be back in a few minutes. Sure. Just stay tuned.
food pantries, home delivered meals to seniors, evening to go meals for the homeless, financial assistance, counseling, and other services. These are all programs Catholic Charities has been providing for years to people in Cook and Lake counties. And during the COVID-19 pandemic, we have worked to keep all of these programs going, never turning anyone away. The needs are urgent and they will grow, but we want you to know that we will be here as we always have been with food, housing, financial assistance, and ongoing support. Thank you to the many, many donors and partners helping us serve those most in need. We couldn't do it without you. Would you consider joining us too at this historic time? Go to catholiccharities.net to donate and to learn more about our volunteer opportunities. Thank you on behalf of all those we have the privilege to serve. Before, during, and after COVID-19, Catholic Charities is here. A census is about to take place in the United States. It only occurs every 10 years, and it's extremely important that we all participate. Hello, I am Cardinal Blaise Supich, here to tell you that I recently signed a proclamation of support for this nationwide initiative. I signed the proclamation because I know how critical the census is to our future. The census numbers determine political representation and the allocation of billions of dollars of federal, state, and local funds. Underserved neighborhoods especially need accurate counts so they can receive their fair share of improvements in infrastructure and services. Please respond to the 2020 census questionnaires. This is for citizens and non-citizens alike. All information is totally confidential and will not be shared with other government agencies. We all benefit from an accurate census count. Thank you for participating and may God bless you and your families. We're back, WNDZ, 7.50 a.m., Catholic Chicago. Our telephone number, 312-255-8408. Dr. Edward Gordon is filling us in on how history has an impact and, and is a learning tool for this pandemic. Now, before I ask Edward the important question, uh, Brian Hockey Hitman Brock, is the uh, coffee ready yet, Mr. Mr. Brock? Oh, two minutes. Okay, that's the most, that's the most important question. I had to, that's right, the elixir of life. <laughs> Look, uh, Edward, as Mark had asked the question before the break, you have pro a profound sense of history. You have all this data, but now translated, you and Elaine are very active at the cathedral, very involved. I miss the both of you. I miss everybody at the cathedral. What are the two of you doing to kind of go along with the guidelines of the pandemic? Well, uh, first of all, when we go out, we wear masks the whole time. Uh, secondly, we practice social distancing from other people. Now, we live uh, relatively near the cathedral, so, uh, you know, this is a, a densely packed area, mm -hmm. though most of it, there aren't that many people out, though later in the day, you see more people out on the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. Uh, and most people uh, are practicing social distancing, and more people are wearing masks on the street and particularly in the stores. Um, secondly, you know, we wash our hands. We desanitize everything that comes in the door here. Uh, we are able to get food delivered, but I have to pick up a few items at the local market, which I do very early in the day before there are many people there. And again, we have to desanitize all those uh, uh, boxes and, and uh, packages, et cetera, when we bring them in. So we're being very cautious. Now, do you have a radar? Uh, so if you're out and people aren't wearing masks, do you make sure you avoid them? Uh, sure, of okay. course. Well, I go around. I, well, whether they have a mask or not, I practice social distancing, okay? Okay. okay. Uh, remember, what the mask is doing basically is keeping your germs away from other people. No, oh, okay. All right. They, it, you know, most of the masks we see are not N95 masks. Those masks are used by healthcare professionals who are in proximity with people who are infected 
to protect them mm-hmm. so if the person coughs on them uh they do not get uh they don't get that so because, edward for example if i'm wearing a mask and i'm talking to you let's say i'm three feet away i know i should be six feet away but if i'm three feet away but i'd be six and i have a mask and you don't and you cough does my mask protect me from you no it protects no, it doesn't oh. your mask mm-hmm. protects that person if you sneezed or coughed okay all right okay. those masks okay. are designed to contain your germs that's why it's so important that everyone wears a mask or now, all right? If we just did that simple thing, it would greatly reduce the spread of the virus, all right? Mm. As well as continuously wash our hands uh, when we're out, when we're at home, use sanitizer when we're out and about. I have a little bottle of hand sanitizer. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I leave the market uh, after I've touched all that stuff, I use a little of that sanitizer on my before I uh, start at home, and when I go at home, uh, when I'm back home, obviously, um, after I've desanitized all this stuff, I wash my hands vigorously. All right, and I don't try to touch my face. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, Ed, it's very interesting because Greg and I, from our last program, this we're learning a lot from you. I'm fascinated. Why do you think? Like the governor and anybody who's talking about this doesn't have a historian next to them articulating some of the some of the history of this so people understand to put this in the context of we've learned before from this. Here's what we can learn. This is why we're doing what we're doing. Okay. Well, now let's go back to earlier plagues okay. in the Roman Empire. The end of the, one of the reasons Rome fell is because of pandemics. All right, oh, wow. and they had very little. They had some idea of social distancing, very little, uh, and they didn't have any idea of germs, of mm-hmm. bacteria. All right, right. and uh, a, a, during the Black Death, uh, the plague. All right, where half the population of Europe died wow. within a few years. All right. And they didn't even burn bodies because the church forbid the burning of bodies that at that true. time. Uh, all right. That's now right. that's that's changed. But again, they had no idea of sanitation. They had no idea of what was causing this. They thought there was bad air, uh, but they didn't get an idea of the fact that there were fleas from rats that were uh, leaving the rats once they killed them and then uh, housing themselves on the bodies of human beings oh, and wow. biting them. And that's what transferred the virus, wow. all right? Mm-hmm. And that spread all over Europe very gradually, but it did spread. Now, what century was that? Oh, now we're talking uh, the Black Death around the 1300s, okay. all right? And it spread from Asia Minor to Italy and then went throughout Europe because of trade routes, all right? There so the Venetians and the Genoese uh, brought it from a siege of a city in Asia Minor back to Genoa and, and Venice, and then it spread from there uh, by the Black Rat, which was found on ships. So the travel ban makes sense right. as part of this. But, but my, it, it does. So uh, you have that, but again, effective disease control is something that we uh, d- did not have. Mm-hmm. So historian, I can give you the context of how bad past pandemics have been, will this be as bad as that? Well, no. let's, well, let's no, do that. Wait, you know, time out. On that note, hold right there. Take us a break, yeah, Mark. When we come back, let's continue that part of the conversation. Sure. WNDZ, 750 AM, Catholic Chicago. Our telephone number, 312-255-8408. We're talking to Dr. Edward Gordon. We're learning how does this pandemic, how, what can we learn from our history in terms of behaviors today uh, in response to the pandemic? We'll be back in a few minutes. pandemic, Catholic Charities continues to develop the most effective ways possible to respond to the needs of our clients and communities. In the past month, our call center has received 250 calls a day for emergency services. More than 450 seniors are being visited by home care aides who help them with housekeeping, groceries, and personal care. 
Mental health services are being provided to more than 600 people via phone and video. Our friendly, knowledgeable staff is working nonstop, so we are always ready for whoever might reach out to us next. If we can be of assistance to you, email us at gethelp at catholiccharities.net or call 312-655-7700. That's gethelp at catholiccharities.net. Before, during, and after COVID-19, Catholic Charities is here for you. We invite you to watch Catholic Chicago this weekend, featuring a conversation with Cardinal Blaise Supich and video highlights from across the archdiocese. Here's host Todd Williamson. We'll talk with Cardinal Blaise Supich about how the COVID-19 epidemic is affecting just about every aspect of life in America, including how we worship. We'll talk about attending Mass online and how the church continues to reach out to help those in need. We'll also bring you stories about using modern technology to teach fire safety to our children and when losing your hair can be a good thing for others. Watch Catholic Chicago Friday at 7 p.m. on Chicago Loop Cable, Channel 25, and Sunday afternoon at 3 on the Comcast Network, Channel 100. back, WNDZ, 7.50 a.m. On your dial, Catholic Chicago, 312-255-8408. Father Greg Sackowitz, Mark Teresi here with Dr. Edward Gordon. Brian, the uh, coffee is excellent. You're a great coffee maker. Thank you. He's in a much... same Polish Dziękuję. And he's in a much better mood when he has his coffee. (laughs) (laughs) So, Ed, we're we're talking about history. Right. We're looking at this pandemic, looking at historically what has occurred. What's the knowledge base now that we have that really should should no, allow? No, remember you were asking about the. He says Edward said no about uh, this one. This one will not be as bad. Oh, right. And I was right. gonna, I was going to say, what's the knowledge base that we have now that's different that will help us make uh, alleviate some of the tragedies that occurred in the past? Well, first of all, we know what we're looking for, so we know that we need to test people to see whether or not. Uh, they have this virus. And if they have the virus, we know that we need to trace who else they have come in contact with so those people can be quarantined. Mm -hmm. Because if we isolate those people, the numbers will go down until the virus dies out. All right? Even before before you have the vaccine, the numbers will will be tampered down. So but you're reemphasizing to folks, stay testing. home. Yeah, stay right. home. Okay, well, but, but Edward, need, I have a question, we though. Need, we do need testing, mm-hmm. and we have uh, thus far. Remember, this virus, guys, is a brand-new thing. So people say, well, why weren't we prepared for this? Well, the problem was we never had this strain of bacteria before that we needed to test, mm-hmm. all right? So don't don't just jump on all the scientists and government officials, whether I don't care what political party they are. Mm-hmm. This is a brand new thing that just this is this is uh, more virulent potentially than the flu virus. We in fact, we don't even know. There are so many unknowns, but we know this. We can test and we can find out. Right now, we need to test to bring this under control across the country. We need to test. 500,000 people a day. Remember, there are over, right, you know, in the United States, there are over 300 and, what's the exact number? I'll give it to you. 330 or something? The number of of, uh, people in the United States. 330 million or something? Right, exactly. So How about sports now for 400? (laughs) So uh, everyone that is going into a hospital, everyone that works in a nursing home, uh, everyone that is uh, in contact with the public at your supermarkets, etc., all those people need to be tested because they potentially, uh, to start with at least, uh, they're the ones that we're relying okay, on. Okay, now, Edward, the, but now I have a question. Okay, mm-hmm. you and Elaine and Mark get tested today. I see, let's see the three of you get tested. Yes. All right, and it comes back negative. Mm-hmm. But what if you get it next week? Ah, well, that's, that you raise a very good point. And the point is that this will not 
not be over until either A, we have a vaccine, or it has gone through the entire population of the United States. We all have caught it, and those people that can't survive have died. Now, but again, but ask a question, though. Yes. Okay, you and Elaine get tested today, yeah, right. and you get the results back in two days, and it says, oh, you're negative, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But a week from today... You could get it again. Yes, yeah, so I'm saying to myself, so maybe I'm missing something. What's the purpose of being tested if today I'm fine, but pick it up a week from now? Because if you get it, if you have it, well, first of all, the, the key is to find out who has it right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because if you have it, and we can isolate you, and all the people you've come in contact with, there's a like, less likelihood that you're gonna that someone else is going to get it in the future. Well, I do know as a fact that many are walking around feeling terrific, right, and COVID nineteen positive. Well, right, and that that's a part that's scary. Well, sure. it is because you know that when when you see these numbers that have been reported in terms of how many people have the infection in Illinois, fifty eight thousand five hundred and five. I'm sure that number is way too low. Mm-hmm. Correct. Right? So right now, uh, only about 0.5% of the population of the state has, uh, you know, has the virus. Well, how many people have been tested? Now, those numbers are gradually going up, but we need to ramp it up faster. Now, Edward, another question, because you just, mm-hmm. you're, you're such a wealth of knowledge, and that is I have friends who I've been almost arguing with on the phone and they keep saying, this is so overrated. What's the big deal? The governor's overreacting. The Trump's overreacting. The mayor's overreacting. Let's all get back to business as it was. This is nothing but the regular flu. You've heard that. I've heard that from my friends. You've heard that. Mark has mm-hmm. heard it. Oh, sure. And I keep telling people, this is not the regular pl- flu. This is different. And they argue back and say, this is no more than just, you know, uh, and, or, and many have died. Many more have died from the regular flu than this, what's the big deal? Well, uh, the Spanish flu was a regular flu, and it killed 675,000 Americans Americans. over its its lifetime, including 8,500 people in Chicago, which is 1% of the population of the city at that time. Now, if we had a repeat of that, pardon me, if we had a repeat of that, if only if 1% of the population of... This, of the United States died from this, that would be about 21 million people. Wow. Uh, I, so if people say to you, well, this is just the flu, well, okay. Now, hopefully, because we have better hospitals, we have better treatments, and we will get a vaccine, uh, this number will be less. However, remember, the Spanish flu, there never was a vaccine for the Spanish flu. All mm. right. And as a result... How did that eventually die, then? It just died out because everyone got infected. Oh, wow. I mean, you had, in the wow. United States, we estimate 26 million people were infected. So that was a large enough infection rate that it just finally uh, killed off, it killed itself off. Now, is that how this one's going to end up dying? Because we're all going to uh, get no, it? No, hopefully no. Mm-hmm. Hopefully what we will have is a vaccine. Do you get vaccinated, uh, Greg, when you, uh, for the regular flu every year? I, honestly, I don't. I All do. Right. Well, I do. I do, I I do, do too. Do. All right. Did you get vaccinated uh, uh, for shingles? Uh, no. Shingle shot. All right. Now. And pneumonia. Oh, uh, and pneumonia. Now, I got a shot. Someone else in my family didn't get the shingle shot. They got the shingles, which was very painful. All right. And uh, it's something you really want to avoid, if at all possible. And as you get older, your immune system is weakened as you age, so you're more susceptible to these issues, all right? And I've got a question. Uh, it may be a little off the path, but it's happening in my house. So my wife's knee hurts. Mm-hmm. I said to her, why don't you go get it checked out? Mm-hmm. And she said, Mark, I don't want to go into a hospital environment. I, Right. We're doing fine now. We're isolated. I'll wait it out until it, it it's safer to go to a hospital. But you've got all these sick people anyway that are having to deal with the hospital plus the pandemic. Uh, you know, where do people... Where do you draw the line? Yeah, where do you draw the line? Well, first of all, if you have, do you have a regular doctor oh, that sure, you go to? Sure. Well, you should contact the doctor and you can do something over the phone or, or uh, over Zoom and he can talk to your wife about it. All right. Yeah, that's, that's good. New, that's a good suggestion you know, for us, and, but also for our listeners. And remember, too. as you get older, uh, your knee 
knees, your shoulder, your hips, uh, arthritis uh, attacks many of those areas. This is not unusual. And uh, but Ed, you don't know. My wife is still thirty-nine. Ah, okay. and Edward, my right. my my left knee goes out more than I do. Yeah, but you played <laughs> yeah. a lot of sports, uh, uh, Father. When yeah. Well, you were. I'm that, right. many years I'm ago. I'm that happy. Right. note. let's we'll take, take a, a break. little break. <laughs> Literally a break. Right. Take a break. WNDZ. I've had those too. Seven fifty a.m. Uh, Catholic Chicago three one two two five five eight four zero eight. We're having a fascinating conversation. Doctor Edward Gordon will be talking a bit more about. How do we live with the pandemic now? What have we learned in history? And uh, what will our future look like um, once we learn from history how to, con- how to look past the pandemic? We'll be back in a few minutes. Please stay tuned. It's a word that inspires individuals and groups of people to achieve important goals. And in recent weeks, teamwork has been essential to our food and nutrition services at Catholic Charities. Careful allocation of food supplies has allowed all nine of our food pantries to serve twice the number of guests they usually see. A detailed coordination of staff and resources has ensured that our WIC centers remain open for families with children under five years old. Despite social distancing, our volunteers and restaurant partners have continued to make to-go meals possible for the hungry and the homeless who come to 721 North LaSalle and our suburban locations. And our creative employees have worked with food vendors and neighbors to make sure homebound seniors and the disabled still have meals delivered to them. Our team members recognize how serious food insecurity can be. Please join us in our mission. Visit www.catholiccharities.net. The Cemetery Ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 44 Archdiocese of Chicago Catholic cemeteries willing to help you in your time of loss. Call 708-449-6100 or visit catholiccemeterychicago.org. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837. You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. Every Monday through Friday from 8 AM to 9 AM, the Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Welcome back to Catholic Chicago and WNDZ, 7.50 a.m., Father Greg Sackowitz, with Mark Teresi, <laughs> and coached by Mark Teresi. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> 8.34 here in Chicago on this beautiful, cold Monday morning. It was a rather beautiful weekend, and that music means one thing, and one thing only. We have Chicago Catholic editor Joyce DeRiga joins us by phone to tell us what her publication is covering, both in print and online. Joyce, good morning. Welcome to the program, and how are you doing? Yes. Hi. Hey, I'm well, Father. Um, staying in place, you know, trying to be safe. And Have you left your place at all? Goodness. Yeah, to go to the um, cancer center. I'm, I was I had cancer treatment last year, and I um, that's about it right now, though. I'm The cancer's gone, but I still have follow-up treatment, immunotherapy and stuff. I'm actually heading there after we talk. Are you right now, are you in remission? They're not. They're not really saying that, but the cancer that um, there was no. I had surgery in November, and there's the pathology came back negative. Good. So they have to wait five. You have to wait five years to mm-hmm. really kind of say that you're but in remission. There was absolutely no um, no cancer in my system, and the tumor had shrunk early on. We had through treatment, so it's, it's really been a blessing. Everybody's 
so many people have been praying well, you are, for me. You and, are in my prayers and yeah. Mark's prayers continue to be so. What's happening with the latest edition of the Chicago Catholic Joyce? Lots of pandemic stuff. So we've yeah. got, um, we've checked in with Colby House, uh, the Archdiocese Prison and Jail Ministry, to see what they've been doing. They've been super active. For the, um, you know, the jails and the prisons are releasing people early because of COVID-19. We checked in with Mercy Home. As you know, they have mm-hmm. residential. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, so they've been doing a ton of things. Um, we looked at um, the, the impact of the pandemic on immigrants and refugees. You know, they're stressed and vulnerable at, at the best of times. And this this kind of heightens things. Um we also, we covered, our photographer, Karen Calloway, is out and about trying to be safe and still taking taking photos for our stories. So we've got some fun photos. She's an incredible of, lady. She's, she's, she's everywhere, Karen. She is, yeah. So she was out at St. Celestine on Friday. They did a um, drive-through parade where the kids, the teachers, and the all dressed up, and they, there was music, and the, the kids and their families drove by. It was very, very fun and uplifting. And then on Saturday, Marian Catholic um, distributed their class rings in a similar similar manner. So there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, people are moving and and still helping the poor and people in need. And it's it's been it's been an amazing thing to cover. Um, talk about time. Just, talk about how things have changed in our lives in the last two months, where the focus of the the newspaper is the pandemic. I know that you know Cardinal Supic has been doing weekly the mass for. Uh, the cathedral, but played back. I'm not played back, but on Sunday mornings, ABC Channel Seven at nine thirty, and he's a marvelous homilist. He's really connecting to the whole pandemic, like the newspaper. And um, I think all we can do is keep praying and hoping for Absolutely. better times. But as Dr. Edward Gordon, our guest this morning, saying, we're in the second inning of this. And um, you know, I'll tell you something. It might have been be a bad idea, Joyce, if we were to interview Dr. Gordon for the yeah. paper. I'm just saying this is live on the radio now, but now you've got a lot of people to interview. But uh, you know, yeah, just... I'm going to check him out because we were looking for we've been looking for stuff that we did back in the Spanish flu because the paper was around then. Wow! But mm-hmm. the war was going on, so it seems like most of our coverage um, was about the war. We have was about the war, but but right. some of the things we did discover, and I am working on that, so I'll lo- I'll follow up with Dr. Gordon. Thank you. But um, was a memo that um, that Mundelein put out that was very similar to the the restrictions we have now, mm-hmm. although they kept masks going. Yeah, yeah but they only would let the, the pastor talk for five minutes sermons. That would right. be really tough. On no kidding, really. <laughs> well, Joyce, want to say thank you very much. But now, Joyce, before you leave us, uh, give us the website people can go to to order a subscription to the uh, Chicago Catholic. It's chicagocatholic.com, and we would super appreciate it. Subscriptions are $25, um, chicagocatholic.com. Now, what about a phone number? Right now, we're not there. That's so, right, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but um, you can call And I read the Chicago Catholic there. every week, and I'd be happy oh, to you. help you. Yeah, and the thing thank is, uh, you. and again, in chicagocatholic.com? Yes. Well, Joyce Duriga, thank you very much, who is the editor and chief of the newspaper. Joyce, uh, stay healthy. Our prayers are with you. And uh, thank you for being a guest here. We'll see you probably back here in a couple of weeks. Let's hope. God willing. God Be bless. safe, everybody. You too. Thanks, Bye-bye, Joyce. Joyce. God bless. And I, know, I think we still have Dr. Gordon on the line, so it, uh, stay with him. So, uh, um, Edward, pick, it up, pick up the conversation again. Uh, well, you know, right now we have time. We have freedom to take the time to talk to other people, to help them all of us to face our fears regarding this pandemic. We have the time to say to other people, I love you. And we have the time to set aside our resentments. You know, you asked me earlier some of the things that we're doing. Well, you know, I'm calling up people that I've known for years. Some are uh, in other countries. Some are scattered across the United States. And I'm having a conversation with them, and I'm letting them express their fears and their hopes when this ends, what they want to do, and what they're doing now in order to face uh, the unknowns that, uh, that uh, you know, we all feel. And we 
have to cease pretending that these little annoying things that we have to put up matter so much. Um, people talk a great deal about freedom. Well, we have freedom to act, to help others who are our friends and our relatives, maybe people that uh, we've had problems with in the past, and to set a lot of that aside. And, you know, what really counts in life is to maintain those relationships and maybe even to do something that I know that Father Greg does very well every day, pray. You know, this is an unknown. This virus, you can't see it. Well, the grace of God, you can't see either. Mm -hmm. But if we pray and ask God to help us, to strengthen us in body, in spirit, and in mind, it will help us get through our day, each day, day by day, and get through this crisis. Amen. All right. No, and when Ed... we do open up, and when we do open up, and we will, whether it's June 1st or whenever, we still are going to have to practice what we're talking about here. Because, again, until we have a vaccine, risk will be there. And we have to now... You know, when you cross Michigan Avenue in downtown Chicago, whether you have the, the uh, walk light or not, I look both ways just to make sure no one's going to hit me. Well, think about that now when you go outside. Think of your behaviors. Think of your loved ones. Now, Ed, let's project a little bit. That's, into, a, that's a great into, image. Yeah, into the future. Yes. Now, I, I know from our past conversations that hospital visitation is very important to you, that pastoral ministry yes. you mentioned to your yes. life. Um, how's that going to happen in the future for you? Well, uh, that's a good question. Uh, you know, once the uh, hospital opens up, and as a minister of care at Holy Name Cathedral, and that program starts up again, and there are around 50 people from Holy Name Parish. Headed up beautifully by uh, Lori, uh, Lori Doyle. Yes, that's right. Great and program. we go great, over great, there. Great and I'll tell you, that's one of the things I miss most, because I try, with my background in history and psychology, to go and work in intensive care units oh, wow. uh, where the families need the most support, mm -hmm. spiritually, psychologically. All right. Mm -hmm. And I really miss not doing that. It's hard work. I'm not saying it isn't. Ask Father Greg how hard it is. I mean, even though he's dispensed the sacrament of the sick to the sick and to the dying, it's not an easy experience. It takes a lot out of you. Oh, but sure. I can, oh, sure. but on, yes. on the other hand, it's uh, very rewarding. It's very rewarding. And um, it certainly uh, tests our faith, my faith trying to help others to strengthen their feelings that they haven't been abandoned by God. Like this whole epidemic that's going on now. God is not punishing people. This is no. not the punishment of God, all right? Uh, absolutely. I mean, you're absolutely this right. is not a conspiracy by anybody. This is a real thing. It's happened in history. I was just reading uh, a history of the, of the, the plagues, and at the end, the, the, it ended by saying, well, now modern medicine has eliminated the plague. We don't have to worry about this anymore. Well, guess what? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. the, uh, uh, my best friend, who is an infectious disease doctor, has said to me many times that a pandemic would come, and there could be one that would be fairly universal, not just for certain targeted groups of people. When did he say this to you the last couple of years? Uh, over the last few years, that's right. And I just talked with him again yesterday about uh, the opening up. It's now, how did he know a pandemic was coming? Because uh, scientists have been predicting this, because viruses continue to mutate, and they do not respond well to the antibiotics and vaccines we already have. All right. right. We're going to take a little break. WNDZ 750 AM, Catholic Chicago, 312 255 8408. We're talking Dr. Edward Gordon, Father Greg Sackwitz, Mark Treacy. When we come back, Ed, I'd be interested as, as a uh, teacher, academician, professor, 
the whole educational system is is on its side right now, and I want to get your opinion on where you think that's going. We'll be back in a few minutes. you to watch Catholic Chicago this weekend, featuring a conversation with Cardinal Blaise Supich and video highlights from across the Archdiocese. Here's host Todd Williamson. We'll talk with Cardinal Blaise Supich about how the COVID-19 epidemic is affecting just about every aspect of life in America, including how we worship. We'll talk about attending Mass online and how the church continues to reach out to help those in need. We'll also bring you stories about using modern technology to teach fire safety to our children and when losing your hair can be a good thing for others. Watch Catholic Chicago Friday at 7 p.m. on Chicago Loop Cable, Channel 25, and Sunday afternoon at 3 on the Comcast Network, Channel 100. Food pantries, home-delivered meals to seniors, evening-to-go meals for the homeless, financial assistance, counseling, and other services. These are all programs Catholic Charities has been providing for years to people in Cook and Lake Counties. And during the COVID-19 pandemic, we have worked to keep all of these programs going, never turning anyone away. The needs are urgent and they will grow, but we want you to know that we will be here, as we always have been, with food, housing, financial assistance, and ongoing support. Thank you to the many, many donors and partners helping us serve those most in need. We couldn't do it without you. Would you consider joining us too at this historic time? Go to catholiccharities.net to donate and to learn more about our volunteer opportunities. Thank you on behalf of all those we have the privilege to serve. Before, during, and after COVID-19, Catholic Charities is here. We're back, WNDZ, 7.50 a.m. on your dial, 312-255-8408, Catholic Chicago. Father Greg Sackwitz, Mark Tracy here with Dr. Edward Gordon. Ed, we were, before the break, I was fascinated uh, with the idea of where is our educational system going with, is there any historical background that you can shed on, uh, put some light on where are we going? Um, well, remember, mass education didn't really start and between 1890 and 1920 is when all the states gradually passed mandatory attendance in elementary and high school. So, so when the pandemic hit in 1918, it was still in transition. It was only by the 1920s that you had the first group of, let's, uh, of American women who went to high school and graduated yeah. from high school. My mother was among them, mm -hmm. all right? Uh, but just to pick up for just a second, and then I'll come back to the education okay. piece, and that is that with the COVID-19, uh, this particular virus is not mutating as rapidly as some of the other pandemics that we've had, such as the HIV pandemic uh, that mutates a great deal, and we still don't have a, vir uh, a vaccine for that. There is more hope that we will have a vaccine uh, for COVID-19, but like the flu vaccine, it may require us to be vaccinated year to year in order to have immunity. Mm -hmm. Again, we simply at this point don't know, mm -hmm. all right? Now, coming to education, though, uh, I think that uh, e-learning is a valuable tool for learning, uh, but I also think that blended learning is much stronger. Many parents right now are having a hard time. They're trying to work at home. Their children are there. It's tough. It's very hard. Uh, how many parents homeschool their children? Well, there are at least a million to two million families that do that. 
it works well when the children accept the mother or the father as their teacher. Some children can do that. My mother would have flunked me. <laughs> ah, well, don't don't talk out of school now. <laughs> so, uh, and some children won't. All right. So, uh, and also too, uh, it requires basically a one parent to be there all the time to work with the child at home. So uh, that's why homeschooling has an impact. It's popular with some, and it's certainly not an alternative. But that's a real mi- minority. Uh, that's a minority, right. So when you say, I'm going to have e-learning, why don't we just give kids a computer? They can sit at home. They can learn at home. Well, the social component of learning is important. Yeah, the teacher, now, the teacher you know, as mentor is important. Now, another aspect of it, I was just, we were just talking to uh, Brian Brock, the engineer, well, he, he kind of runs the department with uh, Michael and with Jim, is the big fear, one of the big fears right now are small business owners. Yes. I mean, let's be honest, is uh, the longer this goes, many restaurants will not open, yes. reopen. Many businesses will not reopen. Yes. And so you're dealing in a situation with home. We're told to stay at home, but I do know as a fact that domestic violence is on the rise. Yes. Child abuse is on the rise because people indoors... They're getting fearful, panicky, trying to put food on the table, how to pay their bills. And each week this goes on and on, it's getting more and more deeper and deeper into panic and fear. Am I right? Yes. Yes. And many children, school is their salvation from a situation like that. Also, Also, Edward, you know, we talk about education with your profound background, and that is just the socialization in terms of learning about socialization, being with other children and your own peers. Can I tell a little, a little That's story? That's right. Here? You're right. Our, our little granddaughter, Lydia, just turned five. She was in preschool. Well, the school abruptly ended. And our daughter-in-law said that they um, did a Zoom little meeting for the little ones to say goodbye, say goodbye. And she really emotionally was overwrought by the the idea of not being able to be with her friends, not being able yeah. to, to say goodbye. And I look at that, and I, we, I, we drove down Devon, and, um, you know, St. Uh, Teclas is closing. There's no end-of-the-year mass. There's no. There's a sign that says Falcons Forever. Yeah. And I thought there's a lot of systems. There's no closure with graduations. No. You know, it goes on and on. And, um, and I'm sure, Edward, you're doing research in this area, too. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, now you see children on the news saying, I want to go back to school. Mm-hmm. Now that's a revolution. Most people <laughs> don't want to go to school. They yeah. want to have summer vacation forever, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so uh, ob- it's obvious that people need people at every stage of their yeah. lives. Mm-hmm. And they need them as role models, as friends. Uh, and part of the learning experience is the mentoring of a teacher mentoring the importance of learning for the child, yes. as yes. well as the parent supporting learning in the home. Yeah. Both are needed. This is a partnership. Mm-hmm. If the parent doesn't respect education or if the teacher is indifferent, the child gets a, has a very bad learning experience. And that's true for a lot of kids, but certainly not true for all kids. So e-learning by itself is not a solution to the pandemic. The solution is that we gradually open up the schools, we gradually open up the restaurants, the stores, etc. As we do that, we're going to need to take these safety precautions that that people keep talking about. This is a war. This is a war against death. This is an unseen enemy. It lurks all over. If we take the precautions and take this seriously, we will have we will lose fewer of our friends and loved ones. One person put it to me this like guerrilla warfare. It hits and runs. You don't even see it coming. You know, without a vaccine and if we're indifferent to social distancing, wearing masks, washing our hands, etc., many, many people will suffer from this. Yeah. yeah. So when we talk about well, People, you know, have lost their jobs or they've been laid off, and people want to get back to work. Right. We need to do that. Let me know, just finish. We need ahead. to do that. But if we don't take these precautions, 
and we have millions of deaths, what impact will that have on the economy and on all of us? So we each have a responsibility here to our community and to our families and to ourselves to take what's going on seriously. This is no joke. Yeah, and it's very well said. Also, you know, Cardinal Subic talks about this time we're going through right now is not a waste of time, but it can be a wake-up, graced moment. And also, many people I talk to, it's been a time for real self-disclosure in terms of learning about oneself. Like, I find, you know, Edward, I miss that socialization, that community at the cathedral of daily mass, mass on the weekends to see people, to hug people, to be with people. And that energizes me. And I live with great priests at the cathedral, wonderful, wonderful men. We have a small community there. But, you know, I'm not seeing my family. I'm not seeing my friends. I'm not seeing the community. And the same thing with you. You and Elaine are somewhat isolated. And yet, how can this be a learning moment, Mark? I was going to say, Ed, as as Father Greg and you were talking, Maybe the church has a responsibility in this moment. Like, for instance, Ed, you're talking about a new corporal work of mercy. Well, it comes down to what we have been talking about in the church for many years, respect for life. Mm -hmm. It's just not abortion. It's just not uh, we're against euthanasia. What about now? How much respect for life do we have, the lives of other people? our friends, our neighbors, the strangers on the street, in the supermarket, all right? And this time away where we're isolated gives us time to think. It gives us the freedom of time to change some of our habits, as I said, to reach out to other people. And now as we do gradually open up, the responsibility is going to be on each of us to do the right thing, and respect the lives of other people so that this pandemic will ultimately die and go away. And And it's up to us to do that, not just to the health professional. And, Ed, you really, I mean, I don't know why it's hitting me, but like, for instance, baptism, build the kingdom. You're talking about reconciliation, reconciling with your friends. We're talking about, in some ways, building the body of Christ so it's stronger when we come back to worship together. And we as Catholics have the grace of God to help us to do this, yes. the power of prayer, the example that we can give to each other. I mean, I miss not being in the studio with you two guys right now. Exactly. Here I'm sitting, I'm sitting here at home on the, my phone. Of course, I must admit, I'm a little more comfortably dressed than if I was with you guys. But You're not having a Bloody Mary, are you? Uh, no, no, no. And then no, no, we, we need to bring I, it to I, a close here. I got a gallon of coffee in me. And I've got a gallon of coffee, too. I want to thank in a very special way Dr. Edward Gordon for joining us last hour here on um, Catholic Chicago on WNDZ. Edward, you have been a phenomenal what a guest. What a joy. Please stay healthy and stay safe with Elaine. Be, you'll be back on the program. Special thanks to co-host Mark Teresi. Mark, always good to be with you. Great job of our engineer, uh, Brian Hockey Hitman Brock, of our producer, Jim Dish. To all, may God bless you. Stay safe. Keep praying. Again, I keep saying choose peace over panic, faith over fear, and wisdom over worry. God bless. Thank you. Thank you. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.